0: Chapters 4 through 7 of The Paradise or Garden of the Holy Fathers, Book 1 by Palladius. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 4 The History of Didymus, born A.D. 309 or 314. Together with these, I also saw a certain blessed man who was an Alexandrian, and whose name was Didymus, and who also with us wrote these things. Now he was blind, and could not see at all he was a marvellous man and i went several times to see him he was eighty years of age and he told me that he became blind when he was four years old and could not see at all but according to what he himself related to me after forty years i perceived the faces or external aspects of things and although this man had never learned the testaments and had never entered a school the gift of an excellent and healthy mind had been given unto him by god And he became learned in the knowledge of books through an enlightened understanding. And he was adorned with goodness and with the knowledge of the truth to such a degree, and was so ready and was so wholly wise that there was fulfilled in him that which was written, The Lord openeth the eyes of the blind. Psalm 146, 8. He could interpret the Old and New Testaments word by word in its proper place, and had investigated carefully the commandments, and could repeat all the words which were in them. And he was so thoroughly well acquainted with the belief of the truth, or the true faith, and he comprehended so deeply all heresies, that his knowledge was more excellent than that of many who were before him in the church. Now once, when he was urging me to make a prayer in his cell, and I was unwilling to do so, He spake unto me, and related unto me concerning Abba Anthony, who, he said, came three times, and visited me in this cell. And when I begged and entreated him to pray, straightway he knelt down upon his knees, and prayed, and waited not for me to speak one word about it. But at the first word he corrected me by his obedience. He did not let me finish my speech, but by work he made manifest obedience and didymus said unto me thou also if thou wishest to walk in his footsteps and to imitate him in his life and deeds and in hospitality and if thou wouldest walk in the life of excellence and in the love of god remove thyself from contention and this blessed man didymus himself told me the following story once on a time i was suffering by reason of the wretched emperor julian now one day when it was eventide And I had eaten no food through my anxiety about this matter, whilst I was sitting on my seat, I dropped into a light slumber, and there fell upon me a marvelous thing. I saw, and behold, there were white horses galloping about, and they had on them riders who were dressed in white, and they were crying out and saying, Tell Didymus that Julian died this day at the seventh hour. Rise up then, and eat, and send and make this news known unto Bishop Athanasius, so that he may know and rejoice. And I wrote down the day and the hour and the month, wherein this vision took place. And it was found that it had happened even as it had been told me in the vision, and the blessed man himself also told me the following story. Chapter 5. The History of the Maiden Alexandra. There was a certain maiden of Alexandria whose name was Alexandra and she left the city and shut herself up in a tomb until the end of her life and she used to receive her food and whatsoever she needed through a window and no man or woman saw her face neither did she see the face of any man for 12 years and for a few days afterward she yielded up her soul and she lay down and went to her rest in peace and when her serving-woman went to visit her according to her wont, she knocked at the window, but Alexandra gave her no answer, and straightway she knew that she was dead, and she came and made known unto us concerning her mistress. And we took off the door of her cell, and we found her body dried up. Now the blessed woman, Melha also related unto us the story of Alexandra, saying, I have never seen her face to face, And I stood outside the cell, close to the window, and entreated her to tell me for what reason she had shut herself up in the grave. And Alexandra answered and said unto me, "Inasmuch as the thought of love of God was present in my mind, I prayed before the Lord, and I entreated him to permit me to offer unto him my virginity in the state which it had been born with me. Now a certain young man regarded me in his thoughts, and looked upon me, and desired me, and sought to destroy me. But because I did not want to grieve him, or to say what was evil unto him, or to be to him an occasion of sin, I chose rather to shut myself up alive in this grave, than to cause a man who was made in the form of the image of God to stumble. And I said unto her, How canst thou bear to live here, not seeing the face of any man, without being driven to despair? then she answered and said unto me i occupy myself with my prayers and with the work of my hands and i have no idle moments from morn until the ninth hour i weave linen and recite the psalms and pray and during the rest of the day i commemorate in my heart the holy fathers and i revolve in my thoughts the histories of all the prophets and apostles and martyrs and during the remaining hours i work with my hands and eat my bread and by means of these things I am comforted whilst I await the end of my life in good hope. These things we have heard from the blessed woman, Melina, who told the story of the maiden Alexandra. But in this history I must not underrate those who have toiled in the faith of Christ, to the glory of the perfect and to the admonition of those who hear. Chapter 6. The History of Abba Marcius the Alexandrian, and a certain virgin. There was in Alexandria a certain virgin, who, though meek in appearance, was of a haughty disposition. Now when she was exceedingly rich, and had possessions without number, but she never relieved the poor, and the strangers and those who were in misery, and she never gave a drachma to the church, and notwithstanding the frequent rebuke with which the fathers rebuked her, she never allowed any portion of riches to leave her. And this woman had kinsfolk, and she adopted her sister's daughter, to whom she used to promise, by day and by night, to give her all that she had, for she had fallen from heavenly love. Now it is a customary thing, which belongeth to the deception of Satan, that he produceth avarice under the guise of love of family. For that he hath no genuine care for kinmanship, is well known from the fact that he taught murder in order that he might make war between brethren. And this is admitted by the Holy Book. Compare St. John 8.44. And if he imagines that he implanted solicitude for kinsfolk in the hearts of men, it must be remembered that he is not moved to do this on their behalf, because of his love for them, but only that he may minister unto his own will. For manifestly he knoweth the sentence of judgment which hath been passed, that the wicked shall not inherit the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 For if a man be moved by spiritual understanding and by divine desire, he will be able to care for his kinsfolk, as if they be in want, without bringing himself into contempt. But if he devoteth the whole of himself to the care of his kinsfolk, and he bringeth himself into contempt by making himself to labor under poverty, he will fall from the divine law. And the divine man, David, singeth in the Psalms concerning those who possess themselves of the solicitude of the fear of God. And he saith, Who shall go up into the mountain of the Lord? Psalm 24, 3. Now inasmuch as he saith, Who, he shall make known concerning the smallness of the number, Who shall go up? And again he saith, Who shall stand in his holy place? He whose hands are clean, and whose heart is chosen, and who giveth not himself unto poverty. Psalm 24, 3, 4. For those who devote themselves to poverty are those who think that the soul is dissolved with this body. Now this virgin, who was so in name only, became a stranger unto the various kinds of spiritual excellence. And there was a certain priest whose name was Marcius, or Isidore who wished to cut away as with iron and to lighten the weight of the possessions of those who loved money and he had the care of and was the governor or secretary of a house for the poor who were sick and infirm in their bodies and this man thought out the following plan whereby he might entrap the virgin from his youth up he had been a skilful workman in the cutting of gems and he went to her and said certain very precious emeralds and gems have fallen into my hands and whether they have been stolen or not i do not know their value cannot be ascertained because they are above price but the man who hath them will sell them for five hundred dinars and if thou wishest to take them thou wilt be able to recover the price of five hundred dinars from the sale of one of the gems and the rest thou wilt be able to employ in the adornment of thy sister's daughter. Now when the virgin heard this, she was perturbed, and she fell down at his feet, making a treaty unto him, and saying, I beseech you to let no other person take them. Marcius saith unto her, Come to my house and see them. But she would not consent to this, and she poured out for him five hundred dinars, And said unto him, According to what thou dost require, even so take, but I do not wish to see the man who is selling them. And having taken the five hundred dinars, he spent them on food and on things for the use of those who were hungry, and on the poor. And when much time had passed, inasmuch as he was a famous man in Alexandria, now this blessed man was well known for his love of God, and for the merciful disposition which was in him. And he was almost one hundred years old. And we also knew him, and had tarried in his house with him. The virgin was ashamed to call the matter of the five hundred dinars to his mind. But finally she found him in the church, and said unto him, I beseech thee to tell me how thou hast disposed of the gems for which we gave thee the five hundred dinars, and he answered and said unto her, When thou givest me the money, I give it for the price of the gems. If thou wishest, come and see them in my house, for there they are deposited. Come and see them, if it pleaseth thee, so to do. And if thou wilt not then take thy money, so she went with him joyfully. Now the place to which she went was the house of the poor, and the upper parts thereof were lying women whose bodies were destroyed and in the lower parts were men and when they had come there marcius brought her in through the door and said unto her which wouldst thou see first the emeralds or the gems she saith unto him whichever thou pleasest then he took her up to the upper part of the house and showed her the women whose faces and bodies were diseased and deformed and said unto her these are the gems, and he brought her down to the lower parts, and showed her the men, and said unto her, These are the emeralds, and if these please thee, good and well, but if not, take thy money. Then was the virgin ashamed, and she went forth and departed, and by reason of her grief she fell into a sickness, because it was through God, and of her own will, that she had in this wise performed the matter finally however she came to herself and was exceedingly grateful to the priest and as for the maiden for whose wedding feast she was laying up her riches she died chapter seven concerning the monks who lived in nitria now having held converse with many of the saints and having gone round about the monasteries which were nigh unto alexandria for three years and having met about two thousand of the great and strenuous men who lived there and who were adorned with the excellence of spiritual lives. I departed from there, and came to Mount Natria. Now between this mountain and Alexandria, there lieth a certain lake, which is called Meritos, which embraceth a space of seventy miles. And having seated myself in a boat, I crossed this lake in a day and a half, and came unto the mountain to the south, whereunto is joined the desert, which reacheth unto Cush, Ethiopia. In this mountain of the Maziki and of the Meritians, there live excellent men who are adorned with diverse kinds of ascetic virtues, and every monk leadeth the ascetic life as he wisheth, and as he is able, either by himself or in a community. Now in this mountain there are seven bakers who make bread, and who minister unto them, and unto the chosen men of the inner desert, of whom there are six hundred, and also unto the people of that mountain. And when I had dwelt in this mountain for a year, and had profited by the fathers, the pious and blessed men, I mean Rabba Barsius, i.e. Arisius, and Bucirius, and Pentabast, and Agios, and Serapion the elder, and had learned from them also concerning the ancient and first spiritual fathers who had lived there, I entered into the inner desert wherein is Mount Nitria. In this mountain is a great church, and in the courtyard thereof there are three palm trees, in each of which hangeth a whip. One of these is for correcting the monks who transgress through folly. The second is for punishing of the thieves if they be found falling on the place. And the third is for the chastening of the strangers who flock there and who transgress in any manner whatsoever. And it is the same with any one who shall commit any offense. They bring him to the palm tree, and punish him. And he receiveth upon his back the number of stripes which they have appointed unto him. Adjoining the church is a house in which the strangers who arrive there may lodge. And if any man wishes to work there one year or two, or until he departeth of his own accord, he may do so. And every week of days they permit him to rest so that he may do nothing, but they give him work during the remaining days of the week, either among the bakers or in their factory, and if there was among these any one who was sufficiently educated, they used to give him a book to read, but they did not allow him to hold converse with any man until the sixth hour. There were also in this mountain physicians for the use of the sick and those who sold cakes, and they also used wine which was sold there all these people worked at the weaving of flax with their hands and there was no needy man there now when the evening cometh thou must rise up to hear the praises and the psalms and the prayers which are sent up to christ by the people from the monasteries which are there and a man might imagine his mind being exalted that he was in the paradise of eden now the monks only came to church on the sabbath and on the first day of the week belonging to this church there were eight priests and governors but as long as the first one lived none of the others ministered in the church he neither judged nor spake with any man and they lived with him a life of silent contemplation now this great man Arcisius, and many of the ancient holy men whom we saw there followers of the rule of the blessed antony and Arcisius himself told me that the holy man Ammon, who was from Nitrea, and whom he knew, and whose soul was taken up and carried by the angels into heaven, even saw Antony. And Arcisius also spake to me concerning the blessed man Pocomius, who came from Tabena of Hecum, and who possessed the gift of prophecy, and who became the governor and head of three thousand men. Of this man, I will relate the virtues at the end of this book. End of chapters four through seven.